بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم الحمد لله رب العالمين صلى الله على سيدنا ونبينا أبي القاسم المصطفى محمد وعلى آله الطيبين الطاهرين لا سيما بقية الله في الأرضين أجل الله تعالى فرجه الشريف وجعلنا من أعوانه وأنصاره In the name of Allah, the compassionate, the merciful Alhamdulillah, we have been able to witness another month of Ramadan and this is a very great gift of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for all of us The month of Ramadan is a unique opportunity to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and I would like to draw your attention at the beginning to a point that we can understand from the sermon of the month of Sha'ban which was given by the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa about the months of Ramadan so it is known as Khutbah Sha'baniyya because it was given by the Prophet in the months of Sha'ban to prepare people to welcome the months of Ramadan you are all familiar with this hadith but uh, the point needs more attention before I mention the point I should make this very clear that we never will be rewarded for something which is not voluntary done if I make intention to do something to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then I can be rewarded for that but for something that I am doing that just naturally without even my own attention or understanding I am not rewarded for example for the circulation of blood in my blood vessels should I be rewarded this is something which is happening automatically even if I want I cannot stop it unless you know I make you know a suicide attempt you know to make myself you know deprived from life but otherwise if just now I want to stop I cannot so I will not be rewarded for that or for example for having for example the my hair or beards you know grown this is not in my hand so I am not rewarded for that so naturally the things we, which for which we are rewarded are those things which are voluntarily done like for example worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala like helping people like for example studying like for example earning halal sustenance all these things we are rewarded for but not for something extra but months of Ramadan is unique it's like a kimia. If you have heard the name kim- kimia, 
the old, you know, uh, scientists, the ke old chemists, they had this idea, and some of them claimed that they have been able to reach that, that we can find a chemical that if we use this chemical to make some other metals into gold, it can work. For example, this is, for example, an iron. If I use that chimia and just put some of it on this iron, it becomes gold. And the whole elm of chemistry has started with this. So, months of Ramadan is like a chimia. Why? Because months of Ramadan makes those things which are not valuable and worthy in themselves valuable. And for that we will be rewarded. Like what? Like a sleep. We are not rewarded for sleeping in other months. But in the months of Ramadan we are rewarded. The Prophet Muhammad wasallam said, It's only in the months of Ramadan that when you sleep, this is considered as an act of worship. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give you reward for that. And also, anfasukum. Just, you know, you let the air go into your lungs, you will be rewarded for that. And not only this is a simple act of worship, it's glorification of God. Tasbih. Anfasukum fiha tasbih. So the only thing that we need to do in this month of Ramadan is not to damage this chemia. We don't need to do that much, you know, efforts to be benefited by the months of Ramadan. Just, inshallah, if we maintain our piety, if we don't do something wrong, if we don't commit any sins, automatically the months will have its effect upon our spirit. Automatically. Day and night, 24 hours, the month is working to purify us. Of course, the people who do more efforts, make more efforts, who try not to lose any moment in the months of Ramadan, of course, they will earn more, they will obtain more. But even, you know, people who just have very, you know, simple ideas about what should we do, you know, in Ramadan, they just fast and, you know, say the prayers, they try not to commit any sin, it's working. And the months will purify them. So, when we have such an understanding about these months of Ramadan, and when we know that this is a unique opportunity, especially in the nights of Qad, that inshallah we will talk a little bit uh, in the following nights. So, what would be better than talking about the way that we can increase our spirituality. If there is such a nice setting, such a nice atmosphere that it automatically makes us closer to God, so why we shouldn't take this opportunity with a little bit more efforts 
to solve problems that we have been suffering for ages. Maybe there have been some problems, some shortcomings, some illness in our hearts that we have been suffering for ages. But now with this chemia in our hand, we can solve the problem. So inshallah, with the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and with the blessing of Imam Mahdi inshallah, we will try to address a very important subject. And that is about the requirements of a spiritual journey. So we want to see inshallah how can we prepare ourselves to start this journey and then speed up the journey and our trip towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and inshallah as much as time permits we will refer to the stages of this journey and to the states that happen for those people who are taking this journey to wayfarers so for example if someone is in the stage of repentance so what would he or she feel and what can be given to him or her as helps as you know instructions and then following you know stages but as you know this is a very very vast area and we have very rich literature in islamic you know spirituality particularly about these estates and some people have mentioned 1000 different different stages corresponding to 1000 names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala some have been a little bit more economical so they have reduced it to 100 like for example Mullah Abdullah Ansari in his very well known masterpiece Manazir al-Sairin he has mentioned 100 different estates or stages and some like for example Khaja Nasiruddin Tusi a very well known Shia scholar in his book Awsaf al-Ashraf he has still reduced that but we don't have that much time to talk about all these in our states. So inshallah I will be very selective. Inshallah I will refer to the main ones, especially those which are helpful for people who want to begin. And this is why I called it the things that are to be taken as requirements. Because to be able to make a journey, first you need, you know, some preparations before you start your journey for example you need for example to ask for leave from where you work you need to arrange for example you know ticket or anyway some transportation you know you need to arrange maybe visa you need to for example ask someone to look after for example your house so you need lots of preparations you need to get some idea about your destination, how you can get there, how can you enjoy yourself there. So all these requirements 
are to be observed before you can make journey. So inshallah we will try to refer to these things in the following nights. But tonight I just thought maybe it's good to have some idea about the importance of spirituality so that we can establish a good ground for the following inshallah uh, lectures. You know, according to the Quran and the Sunnah of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and our Imams, the issue of morality or spirituality or acquiring piety or purification of heart or whatsoever you name it, has received great attention. But our ulama have been giving different, different names, have been articulating this in different ways. But all refer to the same fact. According to what an Arabic poet says about, um, some people, you know, say that this is about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It can be used in also other cases. It says, Our statements are different. But your goodness is one. So all these different statements refer to the single thing. So this is very important. That we can go beyond these differences. These differences. And find what is shared. Unfortunately, many people get busy and preoccupied with differences. But you should go beyond these differences and find that the core is the same. The essence is the same. Some people have treated morality or spirituality as a combat, as a fight, as a struggle. Why? Because the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, saw a group of his companions who had won a battle. You have all heard this hadith, very inspiring hadith. And this hadith has opened a gate to Muslim, you know, ethicists. So the Prophet said, "Marhaban biqawmin qadabu al-jihad al-asqar wa baqiya alayhim al-jihad al-akbar." Well done, excellent. You have done great job. You have won the minor struggle, and it remains upon your shoulder the greater struggle. These people were shocked because they had just come back from a very important you know, battle and they were likely to be martyred. So, why the Prophet has considered this as a minor jihad? Is there a greater enemy that they should go and fight against that enemy? So, they asked, وَمَلْ جِهَادُ الْأَكْبَرِ What is the greater jihad? 
and the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. said jihad on nafs to fight against yourself to combat to yourself and the greater uh, or I could say a more detailed version of this hadith up to now is very famous you can find this in Wasail al-Shia in Wasail al-Shia because of this you know hadith and then other hadith for the same idea there has been uh, a section dedicated by Hurre Ameli to this issue of jihad al-nafs and alhamdulillah this has been translated you know, into English by one of our uh, Khoja sisters the book Combat with the Self so it's translation of this section of Wasail al-Shia but there, there is an ending for this hadith which you can find it in Bihar al-Anwar the Prophet Muhammad, after saying that, said, "Afdalu al-jihad man jahada nafsahu lati bayna janbay." The best struggle, the best jihad, is to fight your own self, not to fight some external enemy. To find the enemy that lies deep inside your heart, inside your self, inside your spirit. That is the greater jihad. Why? Because this is more difficult. If you have an enemy inside your house, it's more difficult to get rid of that enemy compared to the time that the enemy is outside. Always, you know, domestic wars have been more difficult than war with foreign, you know, countries. And also, the external enemy, the external enemy does not know that much about your secrets. But the internal enemy knows everything. All secrets. All your weaknesses. You know, there are some weaknesses you don't know about me. I have many shortcomings, many weaknesses, but you don't need don't know. Even maybe intelligence services don't know that. Sometimes they try to get, you know, close to people so that they realize their weaknesses. But who better than myself, you know, knows those weaknesses? So, internal enemy is more dangerous. And internal enemy is always with you. You have no rest. With external enemies, sometimes you can have peace fire, you know, a ceasefire. You can have peace. You can have some time to make plans. But internal enemy, day and night is fighting. There is no chance, you know, to have some rest and say, okay, now we want to make a new plan for, you know, our war or something. So, the Prophet said, this is the most important jihad. Especially if we bear in mind that even the minor jihad in Islam is not a physical act. A minor jihad also in Islam is an act of worship. Islam does not look at the issue of jihad as just a military exercise. 
whoever takes part in Islamic jihad must have pure intention. Okay? So we cannot fight just because we want to, for example, make ourselves, you know, greater or richer, or for example, we want to uh, take uh, into our own, you know, control the money or property or wealth of others. This is not allowed in Islam. So, if the person has not started this jihad first inside himself, then he is not able to take part in the external jihad. You all, the best example is the story of Imam Ali and Abu Abdullah. We remember that. When Imam Ali, you know, how Amr ibn Abdubad was making, you know, lots of call for someone to come, you know, he was making challenges. Who can come and, you know, fight against me? And no one dared to go to fight. Anyway, you know that story. When Imam Ali got the permission from the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu And could defeat Amr. So Imam wanted to kill Amr. But Amr ibn Abdelwood made something to make Imam angry. And because Imam knew that his jihad must be only for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Imam didn't kill Amr at that moment. Let Amr went and made some, you know, walk and came back after he was quite, you know, calm and killed Amr. But before he killed Amr, he was asked by Amr, why did you let me first and then you came back? Imam said, because at that time I was angry and I was worried that if I kill you at that time, it might be not for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, greater jihad is jihad against our own lower self, lower desires, so that we can also be successful in minor jihad, in external jihad. And if we see that there are problems throughout the centuries after the demise of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu In Islamic Ummah, it was not because they didn't, for example, make any efforts. They were always lazy people. No. In many cases, they were working very hard. They were very brave. They were, you know, very, uh, I could say, determined. But the most difficult thing was that they didn't maintain the spirituality and piety that the Prophet Muhammad left for them. They lost the direction and sometimes, unfortunately, even you know, Muslims were doing the same thing that other people were doing. Just being aggressive or invasive. But if they had the same direction that the Prophet Muhammad left for them, so the efforts that they made was enough to make the whole world 
under the banner of truth and under the banner of God. Anyway, so internal jihad is very important and we have some verses of the Quran about jihad which has been interpreted by our ulama also as referring to this sort of jihad or referring to both internal and external jihad. For example, you know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Hajj number 78 says, Allah says, you must struggle for the sake of Allah and you must know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has chosen you, has selected you for a mission and Allah has not made any burden, burden any pressure upon you in his religion. Islam is not a religion which is difficult to practice. Islam is not a religion that makes people bored or makes, for example, people overloaded with lots of, for example, tasks and obligations. Islam is very easy to practice. مَا جَعَلَ عَلَيْكُمْ So, some ulama like Allama Majlisi, they say that this verse refers to jihad on nafs either exclusively or to jihad and nafs as well. So, ma ja'ala alaykum din men haraj may not just refer to the difficulties of external jihad. May also refer to the difficulties of spiritual jihad. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to say that you must know that despite all difficulties of this struggle, in the end, it's not very difficult. If you are determined to do whatever you know, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will facilitate, facilitate the rest and will make the rest for you easy. And this is very important, you know, Bashara for us. That if we know something, we must put it into practice, even at a small point. If we put that into practice, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give us more knowledge. We have in hadith that al-ilmu yahtafu bil-amal Whenever there is a knowledge, this knowledge invites amal, invites practice to come. So a true knowledge always tries to bring practice. If you practice what you know, your knowledge will expand. If you fail to practice, your knowledge will go. If I know something, I must put it into practice. Otherwise, this knowledge soon will disappear. It doesn't mean that I necessarily forget that. It means that it will be useless. You know, in Islam, we have a very important concept, and that is the concept of jahl. And jahl is not just not to know. Jahl is not to practice, more than meaning not to know. 
And this is why we have in hadith from Imam Ali, There are many learned people, but they are killed by their jahl. They are alim. But ignorance, ignorance not in the sense of not knowing, ignorance in the sense of not putting into practice, not appreciating the jewelry that you have in hand. So there are lots of people who know, but unfortunately they suffer from jahl. So if we put into practice the little thing that we know, it will enlighten the path for us. And this is very important. So, inshallah, we make this intention tonight that whatever, inshallah, we hear and whatever we tell, inshallah, in the following night, we put them into practice in our small capacities, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make it more and more. And Allah will grow it for us. This is very important. Sometimes you do a little thing but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of judgment will show you a very, very big and a very, very great thing. And you will wonder, I never did that. I paid, for example, just one pound sadaqah. It has become now millions. How is it possible? Then you will be told that that was a saving account. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has Use your money in good projects, the best projects that the creator of the world knows. And this is now the profit. But a profit which is also halal. There is no doubt about this profit being halal. This is why the Quran says, Allah looks after your sadaqat grows them so how many years maybe thousand years millions of years whatsoever Allah is working with the good deed that you are doing and then showing you the outcome so what is important is even if we are doing something very small we shouldn't underestimate that so don't lose any moment any opportunity to put into practice what you know. So this is very important that inshallah we should remember. So this is one approach. The other approach which I just mentioned inshallah we will continue tomorrow. Is instead of talking about jihad. They talk about a sort of medicine. A sort of treatment. So some ulama inspired by some hadith and also by the Quran itself, they introduce the whole business of akhlaq and spirituality as a sort of medicine. But this is not a medicine for body, it is a medicine for soul. So, inshallah, we will talk about this later. And the third, instead of talking about jihad or about medicine, they talk about a journey. About what they call Sayyrosuluk. So this is different approach to Akhlaq. Inshallah, tomorrow night, I will talk about considering 
اخلاق از sort of medicine to treat to cure to heal ourselves and then about journey and then I will say that how can we combine these three attitudes into one comprehensive attitude we pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inshallah inspire us and guide us to what is pleasing him we have nothing to offer only the only thing that we can offer is to say that we are really nothing in front of Allah and we fully understand our nothingness we have no acts of worship to be proud of we have not done that much services to be proud of we have not done nothing so just this humbleness we hope that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will accept and inshallah will inspire us to do something that inshallah will please him وآخر دعوانا أن الحمد لله رب العالمين